Film Fanatics. From the silver screen to your earphones. With Alan Azulay and Gal Balaban. Welcome back to Film Fanatics, where we talk about the movies that have us obsessed, excited, and inspired. And I'm Gal. And I'm Alan. And today we're talking about 2021's Sexiest Man Alive. Uh, I think he still might be the sexiest man alive. An actor and comedian behind uh, such characters as Brian Fantana, Gary Gruberson, and Scott Lang. That's right. Today's actor's showreel is Mr. Paul Stephen Rudd. Paul Rudd, he's an actor, comedian, writer, and producer. And to join us, unfortunately, Alan's not with me here today in the studio, but he's with me in spirit and on the stream. And joining us also is... Kristen from Miss Filmingo. Hi, how are you guys? Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. This is this is great to have you. I'm excellent. I'm ready to talk some Paul Rudd. He is the sexiest man I'm alive. I mean, just look at that beautiful man. He ages like fine wine. Let's face it. And I don't know what he's been drinking in Hollywood, but it's that special water that they have, like just fine. I almost put in the intro, the only human to access the fountain of youth. He is. I mean, look at him. He looks amazing. Like, I just like, if you look at the difference between how he looks like and Clueless and how he is now with Scott Lang. Oh, my gosh. Non-existent difference. I know. It's like, he was blessed with good genes. I mean, come on. Come on. How's that fair? (laughs) Paul Rudd has had a very long career. And today we're spotlighting... A very important movie in his career called Anchorman, the Legend of Ron Burgundy. And one of my personal, <laughs> one of my personal favorite comedies, um, the movie follows Ron Burgundy and his team at, um, what's the name of the news channel they're on? Um, channel four news and their shenanigans. Let's just, let's just leave it at that because the movie gets wild. Definitely. Chris, yeah. Chris, dude, you, you watched this one, right? It's- oh, I love Anchorman. I grew up watching Anchorman okay. a lot. My sister and I used to watch this movie all the time when it came like on, like we have a channel in the U S called TBS and, um, they used to air like a lot of like comedies that were like, you know, popular, like in the like early two thousands. And since Anchorman was one of them, we used to really watch it like religiously and, you know, we would quote mostly lines of like Steve Carell, even though Paul Rudd is just as funny as Steve Carell in that film. And like Will Ferrell, it's just a fun comedy that everybody's just so ridiculous and everybody's there to have a good time and just poke fun of like the news culture in the 60s and 50s. It's just, it's great. It's funny. It's, it's wildly so funny. entertaining. And I love the mustache that everybody rocks, like in this film. Like everybody at least has a unique mustache that's very thick. Everyone looks like they just came out of their own solo movie. Yeah, honestly. The funny thing is, I haven't watched this movie in so long, and I rewatched it this week. With uh, I, I did like a like a Paul like a Paul Rudd marathon. So I watched like ten Paul Rudd movies this week. Oh, really? Yeah. What What is your go-to Paul Rudd movie? I want to ask you both. This one. (laughs) This one? Like, yeah, I hadn't seen it in a while. Um, I watched it for the first time when, it, like, the second one was coming out because I hadn't really heard about it until they were making a second one. I was young. Okay. Um, and then I rewatched it a couple months ago, and it's still funny as hell, but there's actually something weird to it because it's actually a really, like, kind of accurate portrayal of 
how hard it was for women in the workplace back then. Everyone in this movie is objectifying women, at least in the beginning. Um, and it's just like Christina Applegate has to like fight all of it. And um, and they make all these like horrible jokes, as funny as it is. Uh, and Brian Fantana, who's played by Paul Rudd, is so funny because one of his trademarks is he has um, he has a cologne uh, and he has that famous scene where it's like 60% of the time it works every time. The Sex Panther. That's what it's called. And um, and I think in like the fight, I don't remember. I think this was in the second movie where he releases the Sex Panther cologne and like defeats some people with it. It's such a funny moment. I feel like he's like the typical player in this because like he he cares about like pulling girls, but it's he's a funny he's so good in it. Sorry, I'm just going to bring up another topic, but I was actually once in the same room as Paul Rudd. Like, I was working Ooh. an event as Paul Rudd, so I'm trying to find the picture, so if you excuse me, I'm going to still be listening. <laughs> so I oh, we, we have to see this. Um, so I'm going to find the picture. I can do a little story time. But Alan, what's your go-to uh, Paul Rudd movie? I think it's the one we're going to talk about uh, later on, Four-Year-Old Virgin. Ooh. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about it more <laughs> once we get to it. But for now, I want to propose a question. Okay. Is Champ Kynes, or I guess David Cockner, um, is he a flaming homosexual from the 70s that just didn't come, <laughs> didn't come out? I mean, that's a really good question I never thought about before. He would be the one who's like an extreme homophobe to compensate for it. Um, he's all like, sports in America! Steve Carell is so funny in this movie. Like, oh he's... His jokes are like they shouldn't work, but because it's Steve Carell and he's so like good in the movie, you like just buy him as like this lovable. I guess the movie uses this word, so I will use it. This lovable retard. He is a lovable. That word. I don't know. I'm gonna say it on. <laughs> I'm about to get canceled live on air. I want to shout out um, a scene that I love in this movie that I think. Well, a couple of scenes actually, because I really, really love this movie. Um, is when he like goes up on stage during his date with Veronica and he's playing the flute. And there's this one like one shot joke where he like takes the flute and goes under the bathroom stall and plays it for someone. That always made me laugh when I was younger. And then the other scene is where he Jack Black cameos as the motorcyclist who like um he like uh throws the burrito at him. And he's like, you destroyed my motorcycle. So I'm going to take something you love. And he like kicks Baxter, who then like fake dies. So angry at that guy. Yeah. Oh, my God. I hate whenever they mess with dogs in movies. But Jack Black was ruthless. And then obviously, I love the scene. They have this in both movies, but it's the whole news channel duel, news channel battle, I guess. Uh, that scene is great. It's so fun, but I think especially in the first movie. It's and they the way they over exaggerate it, like they keep bringing more news teams, and it's like Ben Stiller playing a Mexican news channel, which I guess wouldn't have aged well. He is on the first one as well. He's in the battle. Yeah, I thought he was in the battle in the second one. It's too many Paul Rudd movies. My head is full of Paul Rudd and like Tina Fey. We want to get into Anchorman too. I I mean, it's not as good, but I still enjoy it. No, but let's give our ratings. Uh, Kristen, do you want to start us off? What's your rating for Anchorman? 
for my rating for Anchorman, I'm going to give it, because of, like, nostalgia purposes, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10, because I love that movie. Love it, love it. it. Mm. I'm stuck between 8 and 8.5. 8.5 would also be for nostalgia reasons. Yeah, it's a movie that masters physical comedy and awkward, not awkward humor, like, in-your-face humor, and it does it all while being entertaining as hell and just keeping you like belly laughing um because of how idiotic ron burgundy is and how how great the team is it's like it's one of will ferrell's best characters and uh when we talk about like adam mckay is a great wide appeal comedy filmmaker in his earlier times anchorman is one of those movies that just hits that home let's talk a bit about anchorman 2 the legend continues came out a whole nine years after the first movie and uh, Ron has to reunite his gang to do some more news after they're kind of washed up. And Veronica, his uh, his wife, who he splits up with because she, quote, steals his job. And they go on some insane, insane adventures. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it somehow. I want because... to shout out one moment of this movie first because I laughed my ass off. I did not know that Steve Carell was in the second one. I watched the second one for the first time this week. And, um, really? Yeah, the scene where they're in like Brick's funeral. <laughs> it's one of the funniest shit I ever seen. Like they're all talking, they're all like super sad or like and then Brick comes up and he starts talking about Brick. <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh my god." It's like they're like just their their reactions and Brick like goes on for so long. Just like saying how hard it is that Brick is gone. And it's like, Brick, you're not dead. Wait, I'm alive? Yes, you're alive. Yeah. I'm not dead? Yes, I'm alive. Like Steve Carell sells that so well. So, so well. That's a really great scene. Honestly. It's my favorite scene in the movie, I think. Yeah, if we're talking about when they're assembling the crew again, um, there's like, we're talking about Adam McKay as the director. There's a choice here that I love where... They go back. Um, first of all, you have like Paul Rudd taking photos. This is the first time you see him in the movie. And he's like, yeah, that's a great shot. And you're just stuck on him for a while. And then it cuts to a reveal that he's taking photos of cats this whole time. Uh, and like he's making like like borderline sexual sounds about the photo. And he's like, I think we got it. And everyone's clapping at like this tiny set of cats. And then they come to him and they're like, we need you back for the news. And he's like, you know, I got a good thing going. I don't know, man. And then they're like, uh, there's a strip club next to the studio. And then um, no, he's just like, there's a nude strip club in the studio. And you don't even see a reaction. You don't even hear a, oh, it, it, you just have Will Ferrell saying there's a strip club. And then it cuts to them in the van on their way to New York. And that just... scene is also incredible. Speaking of Mr. Brian Fantana himself, he goes hard in this movie. <laughs> Paul Rudd is honest to God one of the funniest people on earth his delivery is so like deadpan like you like you believe he's that much of an asshole but like you can't stop laughing it's it's so good but he says everything with a smile and it's like idiot smile who do you think is worse to have as a co-worker Ron Burgundy or Brian from you know Paul Rudd's Ron character. Burgundy like i feel like i don't know who would be worse like the sexual assault claims that paul would make or the racism that ron burgundy would. oh no you have that scene where um 
where Megan Good comes in and she's like, I'm the new boss, Linda Jackson. And he goes, oh, black, like a hundred times. He like, you play into this joke for so long. Who would be worse to have in the workplace now? And then she dates him? What the fuck? She dates him. You're a freaking idiot. And I find it kind of hot. And then she like takes him home. And he like oh, uh, says racist shit to the whole family. It is incredible. It's like, remember what you people did with that recent film? Like, I feel like that scene, what they did and, you know, a 2013 movie did better than what we got today, you know? Better than the dinner scene in You People? I'm not subjecting myself to that movie. No, it's I not very good. I, had to, I don't finish movies often. Like, I watch a movie to the end, and I couldn't even finish you, people. I was just like, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> I actually enjoyed it, but I get that it was a little, like, wasn't original, but I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about all the celebrities in this movie. First of all, James Marsden as Jack Lime, who's, like, the Jack popular... Jack LeMay. <laughs> Jack LeMay. <laughs> Jack Lame. Hey. Yeah. Um. So he has to change his name to Jack Lame because he... Because their ratings go up. And I didn't catch this on my first viewing. But this movie kind of like does a fictionalized take of how the news became like basically clickbait and um, a a show of its own. Like it kind of like credits Ron Burgundy for turning the news into a shit show. And I love it. Even though it's so ridiculous. Uh, And then everyone's like this goes against our values or whatever. And then Eventually, like, they stop Christina Applegate's interview um, because there's, like, a car chase that Ron Burgundy just spontaneously covers. And everyone says this genius thing. And even, like, the freedom fighter that she's interviewing or whatever he was is like, I want to watch the car chase. I don't want to get interviewed anymore. No, it's it, yeah, that was a really good take. But Adam McKay has fantastic takes when it comes to, like, making politics, like, seem really fun. Uh, so I was not surprised by that. But... um but yeah, that was a that was a good moment. And Ron Burgundy going blind was also fantastic. The whole plot detour about like him going blind and befriending a shark. I had I had no memory of that from the first time I watched this movie from back around yeah, when it came out. Shark, like honestly. <laughs> the movie starts with that shark. And like, he even ends with the shark at the end, too. It's like Dobie. Um and he like learns how to become a good person from this shark that he met when he was blind. Uh, and he sings a song because Will Ferrell is actually a really talented singer. Um, if you've seen Eurovision and Spirited, he's actually like really good. <laughs> but it's just, like such a random song. If you guys, if you watch the very end of the film, Will Ferrell does commentary for Ride Like the Wind. Do you know that song? Um, it's at the very end of the film. So um it's him and robin thick and they team up for this song you need to listen to it and they just sing together on it and there's the the audio that will ferrell provides is absolutely hilarious i would want to play it here so i can just capture your reactions but i don't want you to get you guys copy strike did you guys know i think alan knows this because we had a class Ron Burgundy has a podcast. Will Ferrell playing Ron Burgundy yeah, for a whole fight. Like, and I started listening to a little bit of it. It's brilliant. And he has like a co-host who's just like uh, also like an actress who's reacting to all the ridiculous stuff he says. 
listen to it. I think this is called the Ron Burgundy podcast. Ron Burgundy like so podcast. Fun. It was like on my heart radio. Yep. I'm aware nice. of it. Like, love Ron Bergen. It's kind of like how Sasha Baron Cohen went on, I think, Conan, like in character as General Aladdin from The Dictator. He just does stuff as Ron Burgundy, and it's so perfect. He's, it's he's his best perfect. role, in my opinion. Ooh, um, it, it could be. All the movies he does with Adam McKay, I love the other guys. I really like Talladega Nights. I love the other guys. I would love a sequel to the other guys. Let's Same. I've seen it so many times. Um... Have you seen it, Alan? I I have. Oh, a park, you gotta let me fly. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg's whole line. Remember most of it. Also, um, back to Anchorman Two. What do you guys think of the battle scene? Because again, it's so exaggerated, but I love it. You know, we got Liam Neeson in that battle, which this I loved, and Tina Fey yeah. and Amy Poehler, and then I think Jim Carrey, like Will Smith, show up for the battle. I don't yeah. remember. It's an ESPN host. And then yeah, Jim Carrey. I remember and- like Liam Neeson in the battle and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Cause they, cause those two, they were like the pop culture news anchors. Cause they got like a wide variety. Cause Liam Neeson was like a history channel. He was a history channel and they have the Minotaur and then the ghost yeah. of Stonewall Jackson played by John C. Riley. And then Jim Carrey and Marion Cotillard as the Canadian news. And they're like, we're going to kick her butts. Sorry. We're overly polite. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like that. that oh, scene, I, it could have gone so wrong with them, like turning that f- scene from the first movie to, to an 11. But I think mm-hmm. it works. And it was one of the funniest. <laughs> yeah. It was and so you random. randomly have Kirsten Dunst standing on the side as an angel. And she's like, <laughs> oh, and wait. Do you guys remember Drake was in the first scene of this movie? In the beginning of the film. And Harrison Ford also. Yeah, yeah Harrison Ford is also in the movie. I remember him in the movie, but I remember Drake. But Harrison Ford shows up at the, the time because, well. you know, Drake was a hot yeah. and it's still a, is a hot item. And I just remember him being like advertised the most out of everybody in the film. And it's like his cameo was so brief. Oh I don't even think he's in a, even in the battle. I don't remember if he is. I think he had two scenes. But I love um, Greg Kinnear's running joke. The running joke with his character was so good. He's uh, Christine Applegate's Veronica's new husband. And the whole movie, Ron's like, you're a psychic, right? And at the end of the movie, he reveals he was psychic the whole time. And I didn't expect it because he's like, I'm a psychologist. And he's like, can you read my mind? No, I'm a psychologist, not a psychic. And at the end, he like mind controls something during the battle. And he's like, go see your son. (laughs) that's such a good payoff that nobody else would pull off like i wouldn't be surprised if they brought in like aliens if they did anchorman 3 i would love an anchorman 3 personally i don't know if it would age well today i don't think it would age well today but i would love to see it i would love to see it too i would love to see like ron burgundy like everybody everybody else around him age but he still looks the same (laughs) that would be that would be great he like gets out of the wheelchair in the retirement home. I have to report the news. But no, it's not even like broadcast news. It's podcasting. So literally the film show that he has on iHeartRadio, that's what we have here. I don't know what it's on in, you know, on your guys' end, but uh, yeah, it would be. The- <laughs> oh God. Okay, guys, are you ready to give scores to Anchorman 2? Yeah. Okay, I guess I'll start this time. I'll give it a 7.75 seven, out of 10. Just a little bit below the first one. I'm going to actually ditto your rating. 
it's a little dumb but as dumb as it gets the dumber it gets the better it gets also i'm giving it the same rating i'm giving it a 7.5 out of 10 it's still not as good as the original but i still love the dumminess to it so we're pretty much in the same like wavelength with this movie apparently let's see if that changes i hope it doesn't because i love this movie to death the next movie we're talking about is what i consider to be my favorite movie when i was 14 <laughs> <laughs> i consider this movie to be a masterpiece there was, nothing, there was nothing wrong with it <laughs> it's the 40 year old virgin starting steve carell oh lordy do you know I didn't watch this movie until I was 19? Uh, I think I watched this movie for the first time when I was like 10 or 11. I knew but, so much about this film, but my parents like banned me and like I didn't see this movie till later on in life. I watched it literally two years ago for the first time. I don't know why I never got to it, but it was on Netflix and I was like, this sounds like the perfect movie for just like a funny movie. And it was actually really good. Like I liked the structure. As all Judd Apatow movies, it's a little bit long, um, maybe more than it should be. But all the jokes are really out there and funny. And even though it's kind of like, you know, he's kind of like depending his whole happiness on if he wants to, if he can bang a girl or not. Like he lean, they lean into the silliness so much. And Steve Carell and Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen, um, they do it so well. And um, and there's that one scene that everyone, lo- it's like been memed to death. Where he goes to the hair removal and he goes, Oh, Kelly Clarkson. Yep. yep. And he's like, Oh, I will fucking kill you. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just the pain. Like the um, like how angry he gets at the um, at the woman who's removing the hair. Like he's like, I'm gonna kill you. He threatens her or something. That had me dying. Yeah, that scene was comedy gold, and it's still comedy gold. And it's it's one of the amazing. highlights of that film, honestly. And it's one of the best comedy moments. Another another scene that was cr- way too good that i forgot about was when a paul rudd's character goes to his house with a box of porn i wanted to talk about this scene yeah i love that scene he leaves it there and steve carell doesn't want it he he doesn't want it any anywhere near his house and then paul, paul rudd starts screaming so all his neighbors hear it i don't want your porn you keep your porn and like <laughs> It's of all the moments Paul Rudd has in this scene, that's the most memorable where he's like, I don't want your porn, Andy, or whatever. Yeah, it's oh my god, it's so funny. And uh also Jane, I want to shout out Jane Lynch as the store Jane manager. Lynch, yes. <laughs> She's great in this film too. I think she like outperforms Paul Rudd. No offense, in my opinion, in this movie. She's really good at this movie. I, mean, I, I get, get that. that. She like the moment where she like kind of like verbally assaults yes Carell. <laughs> she like, goes like early on sue sylvester from glee <laughs> exactly like and when and afterwards when she's like she's like sexually assaulting him by the end of the movie yeah. and you're like what are you doing stop please. that woman can't make up her mind in this movie what she wants with Duke. <laughs> <laughs> oh god Catherine keener as um as trish she like again maybe this is the 14 year old alan speaking and not actually me because i had a huge question when i was 14 really? um, oh. because of this movie but uh, 
she's she's just like so like perfect. I have no other words for her in this movie. And her daughter was Cat Dennings, no? As with Cat Dennings, who plays her daughter, are like next level funny mother daughter. I forgot Cat Dennings was in this movie. Yeah, it was a nice surprise in this week. Well, I'm not a huge fan of Cat Dennings, so uh, say we want. I mean, she's neither here or there or there for me. But like, I was like, oh, that's Cat Dennings. Kevin Hart was in this movie, um, which was a huge surprise to me. And Jonah Hill. <laughs> he wants to buy the boots, and she's like, I don't sell them here. And he's like, listen, I just want to buy the boots, go home, and wear them. And it's like such good delivery. And that's like his only line in the movie. I just remember the scene where Steve Carell was like taking, I think, Kat Dennings to the um, to like the sex education like support group or whatever. And it's like you have questions about your kids with sex, and he's just like clueless as Steve Carell's characters always are. I don't, this is one of his best roles. I gotta be honest. But yeah, Paul Rudd. Let's go back to Paul Rudd because this is still technically his episode. Paul yeah. Rudd is. Funnier in this movie, I think, even than in uh, the previous ones. Because the previous ones, in Anchorman especially, like in Anchorman 1 and 2, like he's very much like like a crazy character, like something like more like out of reality, kind of. And this is something like that hinges completely on his performance. He has a moment when he when he's like, he's talking about like being like celibate, that it's honest to God, one of the funniest moments in the movie. And he's just, He's just like, yeah, I've been celibate for like two years. It's like a choice that I made. And like, like you like you can see it in his eyes that it's definitely not a choice that he made. And like he's still like <laughs> reeling over Mindy Kaling. And like, yeah, it's he he's he's very funny in this movie. And one genius thing, I guess spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, he has sex. And <laughs> Um, no he's surprise. no longer a virgin and then Catherine Keener turns to him and she's like how did it feel and he breaks into song and they recreate the age of Aquarius from the movie Hair um, Milos Foreman movie from the 70s which um, I saw after I watched this movie but like my dad walked by me and he explained the joke to me while I was watching this movie and um, when they get to like the harmony and understanding part, Seth Rogen's like doing this shirtless dance that had me cracking up. Like you want to rewatch that scene just for Seth Rogen. It's like deep singing and his like dramatic dance but to explain how wonderful it was to lose his virginity. Yeah, that, that, that was really funny. Um, I will point out one thing that did not age well at all. Like at all. I think Elizabeth uh, Banks character in this movie it's like horribly mistreated. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's, like it's such a way that the 2000s would put like a grow in a movie and be like, oh, you are the whore. And that's all of your character development. Mm-hmm. And it's so bad. Like in the end, that was that joke, it was, I think it was when, just like the time, like you said, it was the time period for what it was, but it, she is treated horribly, but yeah. And it sucks because we know how talented she is. So, like, when I see her, she like, cocaine there. I mean, she's making big moves. Exactly, but like when, like, in the last couple of scenes in the movie, she's on a tub, and it's it's so cringeworthy. Like, it's that bad 
like how they're sexualizing her and you're just like no please mm-hmm. stop you're such a good movie stop doing this to me yeah that's the only thing that i don't like about this movie everything else is pretty much perfect froze again am i there i think there's something to the whole thing where it's like the whole gang is like getting together to help him score girls the slightly doesn't age well for a movie it's hilarious and works really well yeah, but that's not like cringy. Like you, like that you can more likely understand like about the times. Uh, like the Elizabeth Banks stuff like really goes like way too far. Okay, are you guys ready for some grades? Okay, so for, uh, I want to go last for this one because I'm feeling my. Yeah, this is your last. favorite. Yeah. Left to right. Yeah. All right, left to right. I'm giving it an eight. I'm also gonna give it an eight. Okay, so I'm gonna right. go and. I'm gonna go an eight and a half. I I really do love this movie. It would be a nine if it wasn't for Elizabeth Banks' character. Can I also really? give an, another acknowledgement before we move on to um, go ahead? What you call it? Uh, the film. Do y'all ever see Wet Hot American Summer? Yeah, actually, it's so good. never have. That film is so good with Paul Rudd. Like, if you ever need to see a really good early on Paul Rudd performance in the master master see he can do, I'm saying that word completely wrong. Watch that film because he is phenomenal in that film. Like, there's so many people yeah. in that film, and I know he appears in the like you know the prequel and the sequel series that came out that goes with the property of the American Which Summer. Are all pretty funny as well. I. Uh... I had a good time watching those. There oh, they, is, they're good. The sequels, the sequel. Show. I mean, they're not bad, but you know, the, yeah, I bad. like the first half. Yeah. The first step. Yeah. I feel like the first one is stronger than the sequel. First the day of camp, something like yeah. that. Yeah, the first. Um, there's a great scene where Jane uh, Garf. How do you say it? Garfullo? Jane Gar- I, I But it, uh, it's the camp counselor. Her, she's play. Who plays Beth? And Paul Rudd plays his character named Andy. And Andy's like one of the people who's supposed to help around the camp. And she goes to uh, Paul Rudd, can you go clean the kitchen or some dishes? And Paul Rudd has the best tamper tantrum I've ever seen. And it's so Paul Rudd. He goes all out. It's the funniest (laughs) thing I've ever seen. He's like a two-year-old. It is so, so funny. I haven't even seen it, but I'm just laughing trying to picture it the way you're saying it. Because he's like like in this like jean like imagine like a bad boy but paul rudd he's got like jeans on a black t-shirt and jean and a jean jacket he's like the hot boy of the camp and he's always kissing elizabeth banks all the time and <laughs> it's great and he just rides a motorcycle <laughs> so, he's so funny that movie that movie so that movie is a gem it's I'm a, gem. It's a hidden right gem and he's so good in that film I, I want to say- mention Clueless as well. And he has an age that day since then, which I think Kristen mentioned before, which is slightly worrying for the rest of us, but for him, it's great. I mean, Sex with Your Brother aside, that yeah. movie is really good. It's a really fun movie. And then you get to the ending, and I turned to my, my uh, I had it on with my parents, and I turned to my mom, and I was like, wasn't that kind of incest? And um, she was like, yeah, I guess. But um, I want to say a couple of things about Paul Rudd before we go on to Ant-Man. First of all, there's this movie in which he plays a small character. Two like supporting roles. First of all, in The Perks of Being a Wallflower, I loved him as a teacher. 
Um, so if you haven't seen that movie, wonderful coming of age movie. Also, if you've never seen it, highly recommend Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Love that movie. He plays the surfer dude at the resort, and Jason Siegel's like dealing with his really bad breakup, but she's at the same resort as him. She's played by Kristen Bell, and he's surfing with Paul Rudd, and he has this great line where he goes, "When life gives you lemons, just say fuck the lemons and bail." And this is so iconic to me. And then last is a movie that's pretty underrated. I discovered it relatively lately. Um, it's a Netflix movie and it's called The Fundamentals of Caring. Mm-hmm. It's a little more like comedy oh, drama. Is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You guys have all seen it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Great movie. He's wonderful in it and he has some great like dramatic moments too. I think it might actually be his best work. Like from I think months. it is his best work. In like yeah. my opinion as well, it's his best performance like ever. Yeah, he's. If you haven't seen Fundamentals of Caring, great gem on Netflix. Only an hour and a half. No reason not to. Um, if you are a crying little bitch like me, you will cry. I cried twice mm-hmm. watching that. Oh, and I have the picture too of Paul Rudd. Let's see. I it. didn't get to meet him. Great timing. But this was the um the day I got to work with him, and he was doing like an interview, and he came on to talk to. I don't. I don't know if. I should tell the other person because I don't have this other person's consent, but I figured it's Paul Rudd. He's makes himself publicly out there. I wanted to show it, but yeah, I had, I couldn't get to get a picture with him, but it was great. He talked about a movie called the catcher was a spy. So uh, I didn't even watch that film yet, but I saw the um, trailer. I've never seen it, but it looked like, no, a good I haven't concept. seen it either. I think it might be on Netflix though. It looks like a good concept. He was doing like promotion for that. Like there was like an event screening and then like he did a pre-recorded Q&A. So uh, I was there to take some photos and stuff. And you did an interview, la- you did an interview lately with, um, who was it? Florian Seller, which was so yeah. cool. I listened to a bit of it. Yeah, that, that, was, that was an insane interview. I was so nervous for that. Like to be in the presence of like an Oscar winner, it's like of a writer who's so like talented. It's like, intimidating it's like oh my god yeah. what do you ask this man i'm also only one of the only people who liked his newest movie at least on the film instagram yeah on the <laughs> film instagram that ending if you watch that ending of the sun is like i cry i literally cried i still haven't watched the sun like, i really want to watch i understand why people, people don't like it yeah but the father is a better film i will say that but the son is like that the last bit of the son is just like oh my gosh that is just an emotion that's emotional damage right there i will never forgive the father for for stealing chadwick boseman's posthumous oscar the father let me tell you is so good but i understand why i i remember i rented the father when it came out in digital because theaters were closed and after it ended, my dad turned to me and said, you just ruined my night. That movie was so sad. <laughs> Same. My parents and I just cried together. We're like, I don't want you to get like this. Don't ever get like this, please. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Speaking like, of we crying. We just had a whole family meltdown together while we just cried. <laughs> that sounds awful, but I love it. it. But it's so good. Like, my family and I loved that movie. Amazing. Speaking of crying, um, Gal mentioned the perks of being a wallflower. I don't know about you guys. I cried in that movie too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the and, book is uh, also really good. I loved the book. I read that. I read in a high bit school. of the book, and I like didn't and, know that Paul Rudd was a teacher, but I knew that there was a teacher character because of the book. So when Paul Rudd mm-hmm. appeared, I was like, "Let's go!" 
I knew about this movie when it was going into production. Like, I followed it, and I was like, I have to get this book. And I was like, I read it, and then I knew about the casting, and I was excited your Paul Rudd was going to be in it. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then there was, like, all these other people that were going to start in it. I was like, this is going to be a movie. And then I had to rent it in the end because it was playing nowhere near me. Last thing. No, but it's a really good movie. I will tell you, that is the best movie, in my opinion, that Paul Rudd is in. It's not the best Paul Rudd movie. Mm -hmm. But it's the best movie Paul Rudd is in because he's maybe not Endgame though, maybe not better than Endgame. Um, also, Ghostbusters Afterlife, he was a lot of fun in it. He does like some he's dancing in the end where he gets hypnotized. Okay, so should we move on to Ant Man? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked about things that we liked for too long. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. <laughs> I love Ant Man. I'm just gonna put that out there. Ant Man and the Lost, Quantum Mania. That's right. Um, this came out. It's the third Ant-Man movie, as you know. Um, the Van Dynes and the Pims and the Langs are all stuck in the quantum realm. They have to face a horrible threat, King the Conqueror, who may or may not destroy a bunch of timelines if he breaks three, breaks free, not three. Free. We can talk today. Kristen, I want to hear your take first. Okay, let me just tell you. I like this movie more than a lot of the other MCU films that have been released. No, it's not as good as No Way Home, but I like it more than Thor Love and Thunder. I like it more than The Eternals. I like it more than what we've seen from Phase 4. Like, in the people have been saying, like, oh, this is a good introduction start. It is a good introduction start, but I liked the journey that we kind of went on. Like, some of the stuff is not as perfect, but I really enjoyed the fun. Like, there was some fun that Peyton Reed was able to bring. Yes, it's not as perfect, but I enjoyed it for what it was. I'm going to be honest. Go I ahead, think I enjoyed it. it was a little more than this movie. Uh, none of the Phase 4 stuff was flat out bad to me. I liked most of it. This one, I just felt like it wasn't as charming as the other two Ant-Man movies. It wasn't as witty. Yeah. And when you have the wit in the, I don't, I don't love any of the Ant Man movies, but I thoroughly oh, enjoyed the first two because you have enough wit to match Paul Rudd's charisma and silliness, and the idea of a character who goes small. And when you have a movie called Quantum Mania, you should have a little more of that. But it kind of just felt like in a standard like a fish out of water adventure that was going through the motions. You know, you're stuck somewhere that you don't know. Felt like we had seen it a lot. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you want to see me complain about this movie for an hour, you can go to to the League of Cinephiles channel. I recorded a live stream with them yesterday where all of us just shat on this movie for an hour. But Oh, no. I'm going to be like the minority. Just be like, yeah, I did a lot. But I, I will say, like, briefly, I had a lot of problems with the script of this movie. I think I think a lot of things didn't make sense or were very convenient or were over-explained and in the end didn't make sense, even though it was over-explained. Um, I didn't like a lot of the CGI in the movie. Um, what else? Uh, <laughs> I thought they kind of wasted Kang. Um, what else? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm going to say some stuff that I like uh, so that people don't, don't think I'm that negative. I love all the actors 
in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a lot of people are complaining about um what's her name, Gal? Please help me out. Catherine. If people are complaining about Catherine Newton, that just means they're complaining about every new Marvel character. I feel yeah, like every- I, I thought she was fine. Just- I thought she was served her purpose. She's just a child. You know, Catherine Newton's like in her mid twenties. No. She's supposed to serve as a young teenager and learning her ways. So I'm I don't want to bog her dad character down too much. She has the same mentality as you know, um Hawk Girl, um, you know. Look, she's a if you want to see an annoying Catherine Newton performance, watch Detective Pikachu. She was perfectly fine here. Yeah, she was perfectly fine here. I, I agree. Uh but I think the best performance has to go to Michael Douglas, right? Michael Douglas can do no wrong in the Ant Man. I mean, the films. first I just movie. love that man in this, these films. Him and he his ants is so good in this. He has fun with this film. Him and his ants. You can never he go does. wrong. He's like, I he love has ants. A lot of fun. I like a little bit of camp, and I you like a little camp. bit of like. You know, serious tone. So if they can combine that, then I think we'll be good. I think they just have to stay focused. I think it's to get to the end. So uh, who knows what how it's gonna be like? But I'm interested. Like at the end of the day, like funny, serious is less important than good movie, good execution, good writing. Yeah. It's most important. Yeah, that's what I say, Nian. As long as you got us to the end with you know some good direction and you know you got to you know you did the story map the three story archer thing what you we all learned in film school then then you did it you did your job i think so or and if you kept us entertained then that's what you did that's what i like to yeah. see film as i was like the i think that's the biggest problem of this movie i feel like the stakes are so high and in the end of the day there are no stakes at all like i don't know if i want to say as far as I enjoyed it the least out of anything post Endgame, not worse than She-Hulk, but it's still like a middle of the road movie. If someone put it on, it would be like fine in the background, except a mm-hmm. couple lines at towards the end, a couple like cringy dialogue lines. This yeah. is fine. I still think not, it's not worse than Thor and She-Hulk, but that's really not a high bar to cross. I, I think it's better. Than, I think it's better than Miss Marvel. I think it's better than She-Hulk. I think it's better than Thor: Love and Thunder. I think it's better than Eternals. I think it's better than. I thought Miss Marvel was a lot better. Miss Marvel was good. Miss Marvel was better, I think. But the the other ones were not great. But like even Eternals, I think was better. I watched it on a plane and I had a better time than watching this movie on an actual movie theater. So even Eternals great. had more redeeming qualities. Again, it's a fine movie, but slightly disappointing. Um, especially because I came out positive from the previous Ant-Man movie. It was a, an okay time. Do you guys want to do scores? Sure. Do you want me to start so we can finish on a high Sure, movie? yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I'll start with uh, my... This movie was as mediocre as mediocre, yes. Oh. Five and a half. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 because, I, like I said, I'm an Ant-Man girl. I love Paul Rudd. I enjoy the ride. I love... Uh, Anthony, uh, Antony. Anthony. Oh, I missed Antonio Banderas. Love those ants. Love Michael Douglas. Love Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm all here for Catherine Newton starring in her new MCU phase, whatever. I, I had fun, you know, but forget Modoc. Uh, yeah, seven out of 10. Yeah. Uh, six out of 10 for me. It was 
very middle of the road in the execution. Some of the visuals didn't work. The cast did their best. Some of the jokes hit and some of the action just kind of felt like devoid of the energy and the cleverness that was needed to be a great game. Yeah, I'll, I'll say one thing because uh, Kristen said she's an Ant-Man girl. I am an Ant-Man guy as well. And I love the first one. The second one Me was too. Okay, but I love the first one so much. It's one of my favorite MCU movies. So yeah, same. I love it. You know, Ant-Man movies work better when it's Scott and he has to steal something. And that's it. And like you just throw all the comedy and all the character development and all that surrounding like that simple stuff. Can you tell people what's your podcast called? What's your Insta? Yeah, uh, it is the MK Productions podcast. I co-hosted with one of my best friends, Mac. So shout out to Mac. Hey, Mac. Uh, we are actually going to talk Ant-Man in our next episode, uh, but uh, with our friend Darren moved from Darren Movie Reviews. So uh, yeah, we uh, do all sorts of different unique episodes. Sometimes we get celeb interviews. Sometimes we get... All you get, we get to review some unique stuff. Like we just reviewed a Jonathan Ray Myers film called Disquiet from Paramount that they sent over to us. So we get to do some fun stuff from time to time, and then I get to do some stuff time to time as my, on my side hustle from time, like I said, from time to time. And uh, yeah, so if you want to go check out the MK Productions podcast, you can check that out. I'm also a member of the League of Cinephiles. You know, hey guys, uh, you can find us and. There you go, Film Fanatic Spot on uh, Instagram, TikTok. The main thing is that you can do is you can subscribe to our channel, which is where you're probably watching right now. Give a like, tell us your favorite Paul Rudd performance in the comments. And uh, yeah, go. where can people find you? Uh, film Toppings, and of course, um, our content, you already know, is on Film Fanatic Spot. Hit us with that sub and stay tuned for content from all three of us. For sure. Uh, excited for that Oscar coverage that's coming up. Yeah, that's it. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you guys soon.